Talking Heads is brought to you by SeatGeek. Whether you're looking to buy tickets or sell tickets you can't use, check out SeatGeek, the smartest way to buy and sell tickets for your favorite sports team. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code TALKING for $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football. Season-long fantasy is over, but on FanDuel, you can still play fantasy football for real cash all the way to the Super Bowl. Enter my code TALKING at FanDuel.com to play a risk-free tournament for up to 10 bucks. And welcome to the latest edition of Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein, not in my basement in Connecticut. I'm in a bar with Mark Snur. Hey, yeah, that's right. We're at a bar. You know, this was supposed to go differently. Um, <laughs> I was planning on, like, drinking a lot with you today because uh, we don't get together very often. I was down in D.C., right? And I figured, well, let's do a podcast at a bar because that's what we want to do it anyway. And I went out last night. I had dinner at a really nice restaurant. I had the trout. And then from uh, midnight until 5 a.m., I had what is a clear-cut case of food poisoning and violently vomited for five straight hours. So, honestly, I can't believe I ordered a beer with you, but I did because I felt like I had to. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to drink any of it or even really look at you or talk to you. I mean, like, the waiter brought over some potato chips, and I'm, like, going to throw up all over that. Yeah, I'm going to move the potato chips away from you right now. Uh, That is horrible. There is nothing worse than food poisoning. Honestly, and I'm just, we're just doing this on the air live right now. I don't know why you didn't call me up and be like, dude, I've been vomiting all day. Could we please do this another time? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't do that either. It seems, it seems stupid right now. I drove a long way to do this. Uh, but anyway, listen, I'm here now, and you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, if I... It all goes south. There's bathrooms here, just like any other fine establishment. Uh, I don't think we're going to announce where we are, which bar we're in, because they don't even know we're doing this right now. They'd probably be pissed at a later date. <laughs> but anyway, so we're here, and maybe we'll try to find some friends around here, or some, um, some, some women. We'll talk to them. So deal with that. Anyway. Yeah, because it works so well with Trish, the bartender, and Laurel. Yeah. yeah, you should meet our waiter. Ooh, he's something else. <laughs> Woo. He was like, I, you know, I ordered a quesadilla and a salad, and he's like, a quesadilla and a salad? Yes, a quesadilla and a salad. Really? Quesadilla and a salad? Yeah. A quesadilla and a salad. Well, and the reason we're ordering food is because we decided to do the show in a booth because we need a little bit of privacy and quiet. So I said, can we have one of the booths? And said, well, those are reserved for people who are eating. And yeah, she said that. Yeah, she really did. And she, and like, she really was not screwing around. She was like, so you're going to order some food, right? And if they had had saltines on the menu, I would have ordered saltines. But I figured quesadilla and salad was, you know, the lowest echelon we could do. You know, just so everyone knows, I mean, and, and just to give you a clear picture of what's happening, we are sitting on the same side of the booth. <laughs> so oh, that's yeah. true. True story. Yeah, yeah. And, and right now we're getting a lot of odd looks from people. But you know what? Hey, it's 2015. We can do it whatever way we want to. Fuck them. <laughs> what I say. Look, I'm just, you know, I've just decided this podcasting thing is great. You can do it wherever you want to do it until someone stops you. And, like, you know, the food police might come over here and get pissed that we only got a quesadilla and a salad and we're sitting on the same side of a booth. But screw her. If it goes sideways for us here, which I'm expecting it will, then Good Guys is right across the street. We can either go to Good Guys or Whole Foods to finish out the show. <laughs> Whole Foods. Hi, um, do you have any quinoa? And do you mind if I do the second segment of my podcast here <laughs> as we check out your mangoes? Is that your overpriced mangoes? Can yeah. I touch these? May I touch your mangoes while I talk to him about why we call him Billy? Yeah, the Billy story. And we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, it, by the way, we'll, we'll get to this in a second. Of all the many nicknames I have, some people call me Nigel, Sterno, 
whatever. Billy is my favorite nickname I have because there's like seven people that call me Billy and understand why I'm called Billy. You know, this came up this week because of Billy Manziel, Johnny Manziel's Billy Manziel. We'll go through that in a minute. But I wrote to Mark immediately and I said, wow, you're not, you know, my favorite Billy any longer. And that's actually (laughs) quite upsetting because I have this kind of, uh, um, you know, odd um, attraction to Johnny Manziel. I like like just kind of the aura about him. It's going in a direction now where I've had to actually step away and say, "I, I I can't be behind this guy any longer because if you go to Las Vegas in a disguise and start telling people your name is Billy and everyone knows who you are because you're one of the most famous athletes of the world and you start telling your name is Billy and you're in a wig and you're asking people to comp you things on a weekend where you supposedly have a concussion and your team is playing a football game and then you don't go back and show up to at least be in the building for when the team plays the football game. I can't excuse that. Like This sounds like someone who's gone completely off the deep end. Completely. It's one thing when a guy's sort of thumbing his nose at the system and he's coloring outside the lines and you're like, okay, I like a rebel, you know, and the flashing the money sign. You're like, yeah, man, I like this. This guy's living up in the moment. But then when he's believing his own hype and, like, trying to live that rock star life or whatever is going on, I mean... Is that a rock star life? Do rock stars put on wigs when they go to Las Vegas? Like when the same day that they have a concert in Chicago? I don't think so. Well, I think back under like Keith Moon, like passing out on stage because he was so drunk and they had to get a drummer from the audience. I mean, I think there's, when you're a rock star, you can sort of get away with whatever you want. And when you try and live that rock star lifestyle and you're not an actual Keith Richards or Jerry Garcia or whatever, it's like, no, 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 no. You have responsibilities that you actually have to live up to. And one of those, if you're a football player, is being with your team when they play a game. Whether you have a concussion or not, he could have been on the sidelines showing support. And for a guy that has been on the edge as much as he has for his entire career, why wouldn't he want to do anything he could to show, I'm on board? You know, it's sad. I, I like actually like look at this guy, and I think he could be Fran Tarkenton. He's like got this yes. kind of unique skill set. It's really unusual and with the right coach and the right and all that, like it would work out for him. And I just kind of root for that because I like unusual talent. He's got unusual talent, but he's obviously lost his mind. I mean, he's already been in rehab this year and now he's wearing a disguise. I don't think I've ever not that I have any reason to because I'm not him. And wherever he goes, they take pictures of the guy, which sucks. You know, it sucks to be him because everywhere he goes, people just click pictures of him. So he felt the necessity to get a disguise. I've never worn a disguise to anything. Anything. Have you ever wanted disguise anywhere to anything? Anything. No, I really haven't had to because if I, sh- if I showed up as me, no one, no one knows who I am. So. Maybe there's some girl involved or something. You're like, I want to see what's going on. So you wear, like, There's a lot of reasons why more private people would wear a disguise, you know, and it's typically for you know, really bad reasons why, why like, someone like you would wear a disguise, you know? Because yeah. if you're wearing a disguise, it's not like, no pictures, please, and please call me Billy. It's like, I'm going to look at you from across the room. Right. So thankfully, I can say no. I've never worn a disguise. I've worn a trench coat on occasion, but that's completely different stuff. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Friends, nothing wrong with that. You're wearing one right now. Right, I am. And just don't ask me to take it off. Sitting next to another man on the same side of a booth. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like Johnny, man. I mean, come on. Like, it, do you want to be? Do you want to be a quarterback in NFL? Do you want to have like a like 
like a career of any sort? Because if you do, you can't go to a frat party. You can't have your buddy take videos of you like rapping while he's drinking a beer or whatever. You have to like cut all of that crap out immediately. And the fact that he can't see that, either he's so deep and has such a problem he can't figure it out, or he's like, whatever, I just don't care. He doesn't care. I think it's like, I think it's starting, I don't know, I'm starting to get the feeling that like, this is actually a lot harder than it was playing in college, and it's affected him in a way that it's made him like go over the deep end about it. Like that's that's what I think has happened here, because like, clearly like, he was doing this in college too, but like, he was so good in college that it didn't matter, and that kind of all added up to this persona that everyone kind of liked. And now he gets to the NFL, and it turns out he has to put in a lot more work, and he's not good yet you know clearly not good yet not enough to even start regularly for the team that drafted him as a first round pick and they don't have another quarterback and they're so they're awful i mean like they're awful and like they don't have another quarterback and he can't even play because he's not good enough to even beat out their backups so like i think he's lost his mind in that he can't be himself because if he's not able to be himself on the field he basically can't even be himself off the field is he done i mean no he, he's going to get another shot I mean, he's going to get another shot but honestly we think it might be Dallas, right? Let's just say for argument's sake that Jerry's like so in love with him. He's like, come on here in Dallas. You get back up Romo and get. I wear disguises all the time, son. Yeah, come on. We'll talk about glory hole. Wear fake mustaches. Come on, buddy. I mean, you're my guy. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, do you think that he'll. Me, you, a couple of wigs, a bus. Right. <laughs> hey, why don't we just go down to San Jose and see what happens? You ever been to Juarez? Going to be some fun down there. Yeah, sorry, I just watched Sicario. I know some really messed up shit that goes on in Juarez. Um, but yeah, I take my private jet to Juarez. Right, yeah. Can you swallow balloons? It's kind of important. <laughs> so now we've made Jerry Jones into a drug mule. <laughs> and then Johnny Manziel would want to be part of something like that. What happened? Right. <laughs> well, you know, sorry, Jerry. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I mean, clearly we have no respect for you whatsoever. No, we really don't. We really don't. But we're like, oh, you're going to take him, and then you're going to make him bring drugs across the border before the Eagles game. Right. I know we play the Eagles. It's going to be a big game, but we got a big shipment down there in Juarez. Chapo's pissed. Uh, it's, it's a mess. I mean, they, see, they caught Chapo? The, guy, the drug dealer, Chapo? Well, they got him? They got him. They got him in, like, a gunfight in, like... The whole FBI was looking for that guy. Like, if we couldn't find that guy, what's wrong with us? Yeah, I know. I just love it. He's escaped from prison twice, and the Mexicans are going to be like, no, no, we got him this time. Really? <laughs> really? Really? Can we actually hold him in Leavenworth? Because I think we're better at this than you guys are. So, is he going to play for the Cowboys now, too? I think I think Chapo just got signed to a GM. <laughs> yeah, he's the GM. Yeah, he's Jerry's like, I can't do it anymore. I recognize that I've got some weak spots, but I got Chapo. He's got a real eye for talent. He's got a real eye for everything. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we, we got to get to the story of Billy. So, so you know, Manziel is now Billy forever, just like Michael Vick was Ron Mexico for a period of time. Oh, so Manziel's great. now Billy, which that sucks. You know, the, the, he's Billy now, but he did it to himself. You were the original Billy for me um, <laughs> when we worked together at the station in Rockville, Maryland, which was WTEM, still WTEM, but it was Sports Talk 980 at the time. It's now ESPN 980. We worked with legendary Hall of Fame coach John Thompson, right? Yes. And you worked directly 
with him. Like, I made appearances on his show. You worked directly, right? No, no, I didn't. No, I produced um, the show that came on right after his, a show called The Sports Reporters with Andy Poland and Steve Zabin. And uh, the coach, the John Thompson show was on right before ours. And I had been there maybe about a couple of months. And by the way, for those of you who have never had any personal interaction with Coach Thompson, he's a wonderful man. Like, I love him dearly. And, he, and I think that he likes me. We've had, like, a bunch of friendly encounters and, like, after he's left the station. And you would agree, right? You love Coach, right? He, the perception, I don't want to get off on a tangent about this, but, like, <laughs> the perception about him is not the reality of who he is. Right. Um, he, is um, he is a really kind guy. Um, he's a very tough guy, and when you get to know him, because I actually saw him make grown men cry, uh, you know, for, again, I don't want to get onto a tangent about John Thompson, but, like, he did an extraordinarily kind thing for me in the course of my career, at the beginning of my career, that I can tell that story another day. But let's get back to this, because this is not an extraordinarily kind thing that John Thompson did. Well, no, no, and, but my point is that, like, when you don't know him that well, and I didn't, I'd been there for maybe a month or something like that, He's a big guy. I mean, he's seven feet. And he's seven feet. He literally looks like a, a hound dog. Right. Like he like looks like that, and he's got a booming voice that lit- that will rattle your bones. Right. Like when he speaks to you, your bones move a little bit. And all you can think of is this is the guy that coached the most terrifying team in the land forever. Like you know, so all you're seeing is like you're like even though he's a he's a great guy and I love him to death. When you first get to know him, I was completely intimidated. Well, I mean, when you, you just see him and you see him sauntering towards you, he's an enormous guy. Like he's yeah. just an enormous presence, and he's and he's dead serious about stuff. And he curses like constantly, constantly. Oh, motherfucker, this motherfucker, that like constantly cursing. And he's a really great, incredibly intelligent man. Like if you get him discussing like. Whatever is happening in the world, especially if it involves any kind of racial situation, he is an incredible, almost politician-like, incredibly um, intelligent man. But his presence, his mere presence will scare you. It is like clear why those guys played so hard for him. They were scared of him. He is a scary, he doesn't mean to be, he just is. His voice is so booming, it rattles you. And if he yells at you, it, it makes it you will shake and be hard pressed not to tear up when it happens. Yes. So considering all this, I'm at the station now. We had a snack bar down on the first floor uh, at this particular building that we worked in. And I'm down there getting like a Coke and a bag of Fritos or something like that. And Coach Thompson is is walking in. It's about maybe, you know, half an hour before his show. And uh, he sees me. I see him. I look him in the eye, and I say, hey, coach, have a great show today. And he looks me in the eye, and he goes, thanks, Billy. And <laughs> I witnessed it. I witnessed it. That's what was the best part of it, because I was like, oh, ding. <laughs> and because it was Coach Thompson, and I was so intimidated by him, I didn't say, it's actually, it's actually Mark, sir. No, I just said, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, coach. Like, I, I didn't even laugh. I was so scared to laugh. You know, I was like, oh, <laughs> Well, I guess he's Billy from now on. Right. And and the great thing was, I mean, he wasn't even close. I mean, Billy's not even remotely close, but he took a shot. He just was confident. He said it could have been like, thanks, Timmy. You know, he was like, Billy. He just was like, yeah, you look like Billy. I'm going to say, yeah, Billy, whatever. And I was like, hey, you know what? I guess I'm Billy today. And I guess I'm Billy for the rest of my life. Yeah, you're Billy from now on. So this has been going on, what, about 15 years, years that we were calling you Billy. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's like... <laughs> 
It's like seven of you guys. It's like seven guys from the station. Hey, Billy. Yeah, what's up, Billy? And my favorite is when it gets formal and they say, William, could you come here? Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard William. Who calls you William? Uh, you remember Jay Cottrell? Yeah. Jay Cottrell calls me William a lot. <laughs> and I think Scott Lynn. Yeah. I, it, it's crazy because it's like. There are certain people that you just won't correct them. He's one of those guys. You're, not, you're no. just not correcting this guy. He could have called me Barbara, and I would have been like, yes, yes, coach. Yes, yep. Hello, Cher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, coach. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. But it was one of those moments, and I remember we laughed about it down in the snack room, and then we immediately went up to the bullpen where, like, everybody in programming was, and we just laughed about the story, and I've been Billy ever since. Yeah, you're Billy from now on. I would like Coach Thompson to meet Justin Bieber because I would like to see what he would call him that I could call Justin Bieber from now on. By the way, do you know what Coach's nickname for you was? Do you remember? Wild child. Wild child. He go, wild child. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> He's a wild child. <laughs> that was the best. When you would do updates during his show, wild child's here with us. I got a kick out of doing weird stories to right. him. Right. Because I thought it was just so funny to say some crazy offbeat thing to him just to see what he would say. Because he, he would always be like, oh, man, <laughs> you right. crazy. Right. Right. And, and by the way, I want to reemphasize what we said at the beginning. I absolutely love that man. I'm a Hoyas fan simply because of him. Love him to death. Yeah, he, the perception of him is not true about no. what he is. He, he's, he, a he's a great, great, great man. And one day, remind me, I will tell the story of my first season covering the Redskins where he basically saved my career and what he did and scared this one guy to death to not. Yeah, I'll tell this story sometime. We'll do it another time. Uh, Beaver's next. After the mayhem and the drama, in particular in Cincinnati, of last weekend's NFL wildcard games, who's to know what's going on this weekend for the divisional playoffs? It's Chiefs and Patriots and Foxborough, Packers, Cardinals in the desert rematch of a few weeks ago. Seahawks and Panthers. Hello. And at Mile High, Peyton's back. Broncos hosting Big Ben, we think. We'll see if he can play with that separated shoulder. These games are just too good to just watch on TV for another weekend, and no game is sold out on SeatGeek. And to get 20 bucks back, all you have to do is download the app and use the code TALKING. They'll make the refund via check or PayPal. It's your choice. SeatGeek pulls all those ticket buying and selling options from other ticket sites into one place. It's like the kayak for tickets. They also know the fair market value of every ticket. They use that information to show you the best deals. If you have tickets you can't use, SeatGeek will help you quickly sell them as well. And if you hate those sneaky fees, SeatGeek has the lowest fees of any ticket site out there. Always shows you the full price up front. So to redeem your promo code and get your $20 back, download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code TALKING in the app. SeatGeek will then send you 20 bucks once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. For the NFL playoffs, the NBA, and the best concerts, use the SeatGeek app and our code TALKING to get $20 back. So, as you know, Mark and I um, spent Friday night together taping this show when I was down in Washington um, for a number of reasons, but I was down there, so we decided to get together and tape the podcast. And I would have brought this up had this happened on Friday, but it didn't happen until Sunday night, and that was the news of the passing of David Bowie. So, I figured, as we send you back to the bar in a moment, and the next subject um, centers around another musical icon of this generation, Justin Bieber, and the odd influence he has over some voting processes in sports i got to thinking about david bowie as, as first of all one of the most unique and prolific artists of our generation 
Um, for anyone who's young who is listening to this, of course, you know who David Bowie is. But if you're not aware of his music, his range, and the amount of decades that he was able to continuously reinvent himself, do yourself a favor today and read and learn and listen about David Bowie, one of the most influential and interesting artists of our time. I'm curious, as you know, we get set to discuss Bieber, what life would have been like for him, though, had every move he made been scrutinized the way Bieber's is. And yeah, sure, he brings it upon himself, does Justin Bieber, because he's on Twitter, he's on Instagram, he, he wants to be known, he's trying to be part of the pop culture conversation, and basically is, um, with the amount of followers and fans that he has. But everything about him is scrutinized to the point where his reputation has been sullied um, as someone who, I don't know, if, if a wild child or brat or whatever you want to discuss um how he's gotten where he's gotten to everything about him it isn't as tailored as say some musicians of the past there was a mystery to people like david bowie back in the 70s and 80s because you didn't have access to them only a few people in the media were able to access them and the music industry could say yes or no to them having the access in the first place so someone like david bowie as much as probably has been written about him and chronicled about his life um, you don't know nearly as much as you do about what Justin Bieber has done in the last month of his life as you did about David Bowie's entire life because he didn't share that. He was a mystery. And that was part of the curiosity of him. I mean, here's a guy who went from being, you know, an English pop artist on some level, reinvented himself as an androgynous uh, uh, performance artist, maybe, in Ziggy Stardust, came back, did punk rock, did rock and roll itself, um, did industrial rock. He was amazing um, at the range he was able to promote and, and be prolific with. But I do wonder if he was in a different time, and Twitter existed and Instagram existed and all of the media existed as it did, would he be treated the same way? Or would his life been delved into the way that Bieber's is? And, and even if he didn't want it to be accessible, would we look at him differently? I guess I'm glad we don't. I leave you with this before we send you back to the bar. Um, he was um, he was a poet too. Read the lyrics to one of his famous crossover songs when he became popular in the 1970s in the United States. Fame. the lyrics to that and, and you'll see that that there were trappings there that David Bowie was clearly aware of even as he was ascending into the type of fame that very few get to. He will be missed. I'm certain I'll be spending the week listening to Golden Years and Fame and Young Americans and all the great music that David Bowie was able to produce and procure for us and it's a sad day that, that we lost him uh, and if you even more so when you think about Bieber now you know everything about him I wasn't even aware that David Bowie had an 18-month fight with cancer. They kept that quiet in his camp. It's a different time, a different era. As we say goodbye to David Bowie and we say hello to the new world where people like Justin Bieber can wield influence in places that you wouldn't believe they could. Let's head back to the bar. So um, during the uh, break, I even call that podcast world. Did we take a break? I guess. I had to go potty. Okay, well, here's what happened. So Mark's like... 
I, I got to go to the other side of the booth, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you got to go to the other side of the booth. And he started eating his salad. I had a piece of the quesadilla. Apparently, Mark never wanted the quesadilla, didn't even touch it. So he's left the quesadilla in front of me. Well, no, I, I was going to have somebody. I, I was working on my salad. You didn't vomit. I thought that was a huge success for us. Yeah, I mean, there's like, it, it's um, like a guacamole spread on top of it, which, you know, un, under normal circumstances would look completely fine to me, but right now does not. <laughs> no, it <laughs> It sort of resembles something that might have happened on top of the quesadillas. You don't want to know what I did to my mother's house last night. I mean, it just was, it was like, it was like violence. It was like, you want chip? You like chip? You like tartar sauce with chip? There's like a tartar sauce with that. No, it's French onion dip. Oh, God, even worse. <laughs> um, anyway, who, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I don't know why. We didn't order it. It just arrived. Yeah, that was our gift. <laughs> French onion dip. Yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah. Don't get the trout. I have this for you. It's this. Yeah. It was chips, yes? Yeah. Eat chip and trout. So, um, so Mark, um, it goes to the other side of the booth, like he should have, to eat, like, you know, two normal... I don't, even, if you're, even if you're gay, I mean, you go back to the other side at some point. We're not. But I mean, even if you were, you go back to the other side. And then, like, he gets up, at one point just walks back over and sits down next to me before we started taping this thing. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Can I help you? Well, the the problem was when I tried to, you know, adjust the napkin on your lap. I thought that was a little bit forward to me. No, I was like, all right, we had a little bit of a break there. You know what it is? Because I'm used to, like, three and five-minute, like, commercial breaks from my, you know, working radio for so long that we, like, had a three-minute break, and I'm like, okay, we're ready to go? All right, let's go. All right, so let's get up and do this. Like, okay. Like, why are you sitting next to me? Why Why are you here? Well, right. I'm like, hey, why are you sitting next to me? You just, I said, I go, do you just want to sit next to me? <laughs> I kind of do, actually. A little bit. Yeah, we're not together very much, so this is nice to be uh, together. I was down here for a couple of other reasons that we thought we would we would do this thing together. And um, we're taping this actually before the start of the NFL playoffs, so we're not going to talk about them because oh, I guess we could like make guesses at what's going to happen, and by the time this comes out, you could see how stupid we were. <laughs> Just, none of the games have kicked off, so maybe we'll do that. Uh, but I want to talk about Justin Bieber for a minute. Uh, apparently, he's a power broker in the NBA now. Um, Justin Bieber has 73 million followers on Twitter, which sounds almost impossible to me. But, you know, he's a worldwide superstar. And so he, he has this. And I don't know if he was asked to do this or did it on his own, but I'm assuming he was asked to do this. So that's, that's an extraordinarily powerful thing now, actually. Like when he tweets something, so many people see it that that is like an economy in its own. Like, social media has an economy. He's an economy of it. He's like Google of social media now. So when he tweets something, it's a big deal. And so he tweets that he wants Chris Paul to get votes for the NBA All-Star Game. Not that that's not a good person to get votes for the NBA All-Star Game, but he does. And Chris Paul, out of that, got one tweet, got 27,000 votes for the NBA All-Star Game. So one tweet from Justin Bieber was able to alter the voting process of the NBA All-Star Game, to which I say, why do we have a voting process for the NBA All-Star Game if that's possible? Yeah, that's a really, I mean, it's, first of all, it demonstrates the power of social media. And Biebs, if you're out there, brother, if you could tweet out for people to listen to our podcast, we'd really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, man, listen, <laughs> Chris Paul got 27,000 votes. If you do four tweets for us, four tweets, we'll have the 100,000 that we want in downloads. Yeah, and we'll do whatever you want us to You want us to go on tour with you? You want us to dance with you? Whatever you want to do, man. Yeah, you don't hear us complaining about you. No. Go ahead. Race your cars. 
You know, take your shirt off at parties. I don't care. Do whatever you want. I like your music. I don't care. What did he do to his neighbors? Didn't he like TP their house or something weird like that? Great. Yeah, yeah sure. They were dicks anyways, Biebs. Yeah. They are dicks. Can you just tweet out <laughs> Talking Heads BW at Talking Heads BW and like or or could you just say, Hey man, awesome podcast and then the link, that's all we're asking. Right. And if you did that, we we could live normal lives. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be a big thing for us because I mean, it's amazing the power of that one tweet, twenty-seven thousand votes. Like, what if what if like Bieber is like, you know what, Bernie Sanders should be the president. You should vote for Bernie Sanders. All of a sudden, Bernie Sanders starts winning primaries. There's a lot of things that guy could do now. That is an extraordinarily powerful device that he has now. Yes. Like he's got a lot of he wields a lot of power. Like if he he could say a lot of different things and he could alter the world by tweeting at people. Yeah, although. I think the bulk of his 73 million followers are like 12-year-old girls. So I don't know how They much figured out how to vote for Chris Paul. Well, that's true. They did. Well, they're good with that internet thing. Like, oh, Chris Paul. <laughs> they probably think it's a different person. They probably don't even know who that is. No, I have no idea. They're like, Beeps wants it. I love Beeps. Beeps forever. I wonder, he could screw with everybody. I mean, oh, like, yeah. he could be like, hey, yo, vote for Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Dino Raja, give him some votes. Hey, yo. <laughs> yo, what up, what, what up, man? Coach of the year, Kevin McHale, baby. He was fired. Still. I don't care. Vote for him. I like the way he looks. All Frankenstein-y and whatnot. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not how he talks. I don't even know why I'm talking that way. Like, his voice know. is way higher than that. I don't even know how Biebs talks because the only, the only thing I think of when I think of Justin Bieber is the girl on Saturday Night Live that impersonates him and does such a brilliant job of it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, I've seen her do that. It's yeah. pretty good. She, she also does the Hillary Clinton impersonation. Which is fantastic. It's tremendous. Her name is Kate McKinnon. Okay. And she did. Uh, she also did one of the, the... She did a bit where she is a Swedish Chelsea Handler. Have you seen that? Oh, my God, no. Oh, i got to see that. It's... So ridiculously spot on. <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing. And she just like, she'll, you know, she just says things in like some kind of, you know, Swedish accent perfectly. Though she's got the whole cadence, the whole thing down, and then slips in words like vagina, like in the <laughs> middle of it. You know, it's really amazing. <laughs> That's great. That is good. So uh, good for her. <laughs> good for her. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, are you alarmed by Bieber's power? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm alarmed by. That has that kind of power. That, that, that something, and I know it's innocuous. It's the NBA All Star Game. Like, who really cares who who plays in it? You know, like it doesn't really matter on the grand scope of things. But the fact that he could alter the vote by simply in in five seconds of his time, and he has no connection to basketball. He has no connection to the NBA. He has, he has no. There is zero like. He's not Donald Trump saying do something about the political process. He's talking about a completely different realm, and yet he could wield power over it that would alter the voting process, like, in a snap? That's actually weird and crazy all at the same time. Well, two thoughts. One, is he involved in that celebrity all-star game with, like, Kevin Hart and all those guys? Yes, he is. And he's actually, like, if you—I remember now, now now that you reminded me, I've seen him in it, and he's actually, like, a good basketball player. Yeah, he's not a bad basketball player, and he's a huge sports fan because at any big event— after the event, like Floyd Mayweather fighting for the champion, whatever. And, like, before these pictures come out 
afterwards that there's Biebs in the dressing room, you know, in the locker room with these guys right before the big game, whether it's Stanley Cup Finals, Super Bowl, World Series, whatever it is, Bieber is always there. Because he's an economy. And we're now figuring this out, that, like, associating yourself with him is massive exposure. Like, it used to be, like, you had to go on the Letterman show <laughs> to get exposure. Right. Now it's just be near him, and you get this kind of after-effect of exposure that is, like, not even quantifiable. And by the way, think about it like this. What if he drank, say, I don't know, A&W root beer and hated it and tweeted out, A&W root beer sucks, don't ever drink it. And, like, A&W root beer has to go out of business because 73 million people are like, F, A&W root beer. Peep said no. Down with it. I picture some old Wilford Brimley-looking guy going, you're ruining my life. <laughs> it's a delicious root beer. It has been for generations. Children love my root beer, but Justin, why are you ruining my company? Okay? Ruin the root beer? <laughs> right. It's all I got. What if he said he hated root beer in general and decided he wanted it eradicated from the earth? Right. Could he do it? That's a possibility. He could, he could remove root beer from soda fountains across America. Yeah, I hate black licorice. All of a sudden, the black licorice, why'd you do that to us? Hey, stop it. F you, man. This is what I do. I got kids. If he was a really, really deeply disturbed person, he could be like the Kim Jong-ug of innocuous items in America and just eradicate them from the planet. And by the way, you know Kim Jong-un keeps following Biebs and can't get the follow back, and it's just driving him nuts. He's like, tell us. He's like, hey, Bieber, can you tweet out that we hate South Korea? <laughs> Call him Dennis Rodman. Hey, Dennis, yeah, it's Kim Jong-un. You know Justin Bieber, right? Can know him? Can you just come to follow me? Yeah, just, just anything. You just tell him to tweet something about how I'm great. Right, and, and that South Korea needs to die. Just those two little things. Be awesome, dude. Come back anytime. That would be perfect, yeah. The power that he wields now, in just in that, in that one little moment, you go... Oh, my God. Like, how does anybody have that level of influence with something that... Think about Twitter for a moment. Like, you had to be there at that moment to see that because the feed just moves. So, amazingly, 27,000 people acted on that immediately. That's crazy. It's like marching orders. It's like, yes. Yes, Herr Bieber. This is what we're doing. I mean, no, it's, it's amazing and frightening all at the same time. And it's also a revelation for me... Because when I send out tweets asking people to do things, no one does anything. Nobody does any of it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, F you. I'm like, hey, I just, just listen to the podcast for crying out loud. Think about that. We're talking about Justin Bieber taking root beer out of your lives. That's weird. You should listen to this. You yeah. should listen to this. We just want 100,000 of you to do it, and, and you don't listen to me. Right. <laughs> don't listen to me. No. I keep telling you, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Be the Bieber for us. Be the Bieber. And if any of you know Justin, because I know we have friends in high places, just... Just tell the Biebs, one tweet. That's all we need, babe. One tweet. That's all I need. One tweet. Apparently, one tweet will make us the most popular podcast on earth. And then if that happens, like, he can come on and say whatever he wants about anything. And I will not at all argue with him. In fact, I'll go even further. He can sit on the same side as you and me in this booth, and we all take our shirts off and won't even be weird. I'll be like, whatever, man. You want quesadilla? We got a quesadilla for you with a guacamole something. You have all that French onion dip. That's all yours. All you, Biebs. All All you, baby. All you.
How'd your fantasy team do this year? Well, season-log leagues are done with for another year, but fantasy players don't have to wait another year to get in on the action. On FanDuel, you can play for cash all the way up to the Super Bowl, and now when you play on FanDuel.com with our code TALKING, your first tournament is risk-free. It's any contest on FanDuel at up to 10 bucks. You win, you keep the money, you lose, they refund your account. FanDuel is the best place to play one week fantasy football. Building a team is easy, it's fun, just pick your players, stay under the cap. Entry fees are low, they're starting at just a buck. And as football season comes to an end, you can sample basketball and hockey as those other seasons come into focus on FanDuel. It means you can play fantasy sports for cash on almost any night of the week. To get started, go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code TALKING, and sign up now. Here's the offer. If you enter a league and you do not win, FanDuel will refund your money. That's any contest you want up to 10 bucks. You can sign up on FanDuel.com using my code TALKING, then make a deposit, choose your league. If you don't win, you'll get that money right back in your FanDuel account. The only way to get this no-lose offer is to go to FanDuel.com. Click the microphone and use my code TALKING. FanDuel.com, where it can finally pay to be a fan. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. This week, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the legend, talks to Dave Zirin on the Edge of Sports podcast from Panoply. Kareem has emerged in recent years as a cultural voice in outlets like Esquire and Time. For the full hour, Kareem is going to go deep on his experience at the intersection of sports and social justice with stories including Muhammad Ali and Bill Russell along the way. Edge of Sports with Dave Zirin. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and edgeofsportspodcast.com. So we'll send you back to the bar in a minute. We taped this on Friday. I don't know when you're listening to this, but it's Friday. Um, before the kickoff of the NFL games, which were on um, this past Saturday the 9th. So Mark and I did not know what was going to happen. And I always find it funny in the sports world when people um, just prognosticate, and then they're never held accountable for it because... You know, you don't remember what anyone picked, or you might, or you, it just kind of goes by the wayside. No one ever revisits that. Well, we thought it would be fun to actually put ourselves on the line because we're taping this before the kickoff happened, but you're not going to hear this until the games are already over. So you get a sense of where do we think the games would go and how smart or how stupid do we sound um, a couple days later. So we picked all four games. You'll hear that momentarily. And just to prove the point of the prognostication being just an outdated idea of sports and it'll never go away because everyone wants to hear your opinion on what's going to happen. That's the buildup and that's the fun of it. How ridiculous it is. It, it, not unlike like someone trying to say when a tornado may or may not hit a particular house on a street, if it were to land in that town, you can't actually guess the particulars. You can never come that close as exemplified by, and you'll hear us talk about Cincinnati and Pittsburgh without going into much detail whatsoever. No one in their right mind would ever try to pick or, or suggest anything that happened in the last two minutes of that game. That like, well, it's going to be a really close, low-scoring game because of the weather and the cold, et cetera, et cetera, and the backup quarterback and blah, blah, blah. And Cincinnati's defense will handle Pittsburgh pretty well. You can say all those things, but you can never sit there and say, and then at the two-minute warning after Cincinnati takes the lead, Vontae's perfect's going to lose his mind and create a penalty, and then Joey Porter's going to run on the field, and Adam Jones is going to get into a fight with him, and that's going to cause another penalty, and Ben Roethlisberger, who separated his shoulder, is going to come back on the field and somehow move the ball at about eight inches at a time, but somehow get them into field goal range, and Pittsburgh's going to win one of the most controversial and uh, infuriating games um, in Cincinnati Bengals history. No one would ever suggest with any level of detail that any of those things would happen, which is why the reality of the games um, always trumps any prognostication, and any prognostication is just merely a guess. And if you guessed that, then you need to get into a different business. It's the kind of one that Dion Warwick was great at. All right, back to the bar with me and Mark. All right, hello, we're back. 
on the side of the booth again, <laughs> still talking. Uh, hi, welcome back to Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein, not in Connecticut, in Washington, D.C. with Mark Stern. Um, I've been away um, from D.C. for a while now, almost eight years. And um, this is the first time I've come back and been to a couple areas of town um, where I'm stunned at the changes that have occurred here. Um, this area where we are, Glover Park, which is near Georgetown, like it's like a construction explosion occurred like right up the street to the point where I don't recognize the neighborhood any longer. And then there's this area, there's this bar I used to like to go to called St. X. It was down on like 14th and T, right? Yeah, yeah, it's still there. Well, but that was, it was like a really cool place I used to go to, but there was like nothing else around there. It was quite desolate at night. There was a lot of unsavory characters around. And when the night was over, you walked briskly back to your car, like, you know, or you, you know, you made sure there was no Uber back then. So you made sure the cab was close by before, like it was one of those type of neighborhoods. Like, you know, you just didn't feel so comfortable to just hang out. That street is one of the most upscale streets I've seen in any city. This was the first time I came home and it was weird. I was walking around going, do I, do I live here? Like what happened to this place? Yeah. That, that neighborhood in particular has completely blown up and it is the hip place to be. It's, um, it's remarkable. This neighborhood we're in right now where I live is completely changed in the last like five, 10 years. And there's all kinds of stuff to do. Listen, when I moved to D.C. 30 years ago, all you could see were strippers and hookers and crime everywhere. It was not, you didn't want to be in D.C. It was awesome. It, it was great. It was great. Don't get me wrong. Right. For a young man driving down 14th Street, you're like, wow, that's the world, huh? Do you remember when uh, the mayor forced the hookers to walk across the bridge? Do you remember when that happened? Yeah. Mayor Barry, right? Because there were so many prostitutes just hanging out on the streets in Washington, D.C., that they finally, they rounded them up and walked them across the bridge, which I'm sure the people of Virginia were like, what right. are you doing right now? Yeah, people in Roslyn are like, what? What is this? We don't, all right, well, thanks for this. So there's that, you know, the root beer guy's like, yay, yeah. I got no business now. Bieber crushed me. I need hookers. Um... Yeah. Look, it's a parade of hookers. I mean, no, it was a weird city, and it was a crime-ridden city. And I mean, listen, it's not a perfect place now, but it's amazing. By the way, you go down where the, the Nats Park is, that was a place you do have to go get your car inspected down there at Southwest D.C. It was not a place you even wanted to go to get your car inspected, and now it's going to be one of the most vibrant neighborhoods in all of Washington. Yeah, this place has really changed. This was the first time I was back, and I was like, this is not the same place I used to live, which is, that's odd to have that feeling. You know, when you, you grew up somewhere, and I've, and I've talked about this throughout this, that I've given a lot of thought about moving back here, and it just has not played out in a way that I felt comfortable moving back here yet. But, um, and I and I'm really feel like, and I've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about what I'm going to do in the future, and everything that I'm kind of visualizing and expecting to happen isn't happening here. So I don't think it's going to end up here. And this was the first time I walked around going, this doesn't look like my home anymore. No, it must feel weird. It must feel weird because I've seen it. It's like one of those things, like I'm seeing the tree grow up right in front of me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just a tree. And you come back and you're like, there's a 500-foot oak tree here. Where did this thing come from? So, but Like this area where there was this one cool bar and projects, you know, basically turned into 
that one cool bar and about 15 upscale restaurants next to it. And I was walking around going, when did this happen? You know, it was like it was so weird. It, it's surreal when you've been away long enough and then you're like, what, what happened here? Like something happened here and it just I was completely devoid of even understanding that it did occur around me. Well, I remember, again, going back in the day when I moved here, and you remember this because you were born and raised here. When you used to have to fly out from Dulles Airport in, say, like 1985, the whole road out to Dulles, it was fields and cows, and that was it. And now you go out there, and it's like this huge tech corridor, and it's all built up with businesses, like town centers, apartment complexes, and all this stuff. And you're like, none of this stuff, literally nothing was there. It's amazing. Um, so anyway, the other big thing in, in D.C., of course, is um, why don't we just do this real quick? Since we could, we could make ourselves either sound really omniscient or really stupid. Oh. The NFL playoffs have not begun. It's the time that we're taping this. This is a Friday night because this was the time we could get together and we wanted to do this together because we rarely get to do it together. And I get to sit next to him in a booth and, our, our, yeah, and our knees have hit a couple times. You know, it's been <laughs> awkward and interesting all at the same time. You know, we're talking about Justin Bieber and there's something exciting about that for two guys at a bar to discuss. <laughs> you know, so who knows where this night's going to go. Uh, hopefully not back to the toilet like last night went. <laughs> anyway, um, let's 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 make a guess. So by the time you hear this, the games will have been played, but they haven't kicked off, so we don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to give my picks. Um, I'll take Kansas City over Houston because Kansas City, for some reason, doesn't lose anymore, and Houston's quarterback is bad. Okay, so I'll take that. I will take Seattle over Minnesota because Seattle has decided to start just literally – taking people captive and beating them with sticks again. I, they got really angry over the last month, and I don't think Minnesota's great. I think they're good, not great. So I'm, I'm going to pick Seattle, I think, handily, actually. Um, I think, I, I've gone back and forth on this one, I think Cincinnati is going to beat Pittsburgh now. I don't know why, but I, I, I do. I, I think the D'Angelo Williams being out means Pittsburgh won't be able to run the ball at all. I think that's actually going to be a huge problem for them. And their defense is okay, not great. So I actually think Cincinnati is going to surprise some people and win this weekend. And I, I'm going to take the Redskins over the Packers because I see one team that looks pretty good right now and the other team looks terrible right now. And I, I know who their quarterback is, but he looks terrible right now. The only thing I'm skittish about saying that is, for some reason, Las Vegas has them installed as a favorite, which... I'm so freaked by that notion. I was so confident the Redskins were going to win. They're the home team. They're trending up. Green Bay, if you've seen them, they've been terrible the last few weeks and bad for about half of the season. I mean, a couple of the wins that they've had late were miracles, like a Hail Mary. Like, their offense is terrible right now. I'm sitting there looking at this going, the Redskins are going to win handily, and then Vegas installed Green Bay as a favorite on the road. I'm going, I'm, I'm off of that confidence. Although today, I, and we're, we're getting this on Friday, um, I believe Washington was a one-point favorite as of this afternoon. But still, like, but it was one-point Green Bay. Then I think it was Pickham, and now it's one-point Washington. But I, I don't know. Yeah. So those are the four I got this weekend. So you went Kansas City, Seattle, uh, Washington. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I, I'm tempted to take Houston um, because I think J.J. Watt is having – is just an unbelievable player, and I think he can single-handedly change that game. But you're right. The lack of quarterback for Houston is going to kill them, and I just think Kansas City doesn't know how to lose right now. So I'll go, I'm with you on Kansas City. And Andy Reid, while he's never won at all, has played in enough playoff games, then he knows how to get his team ready for that. 
So I'll take Kansas City there. I'm going to disagree with you on the Minnesota-Seattle uh, game. And the reason for that is this, the weather. It's going to be so cold that I don't think either team is going to run away with it. And I think in a cold-weather game, I think the run game is going to be paramount. And I don't know what Seattle's going to be able to do on the ground. I think Russell Wilson might be able to do some stuff on the ground. But I don't know what Marshawn Lynch availability is going to be. And Adrian Peterson is a cyborg, you know. So I think he can actually control that game for them. And Teddy Bridgewater always does just enough to help his team win. So I like Minnesota in that in a close game. Um, I like Pittsburgh because I think that nobody can match up with those wide receivers. And I think very much like watch, or, I mean, New England doesn't care about the running game. I think they're just going to be like, you know what? We're going to throw the ball 50 times, and that's just going to be how our offense is. And I don't have any faith in A.J. McCarron. I know he's won in Alabama, but it's a different thing. And Marvin Lewis, until he starts winning, can't win in the postseason. Maybe this is when he finally does it, but until, until he does it, I can't believe in him. And then Washington and Green Bay, I'm so with you. I'm baffled by the spread, but I think Washington is going to win this, and I think they're going to win it easily. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I was so, th- I, like, I was thrown by Vegas. They know. They know. They, do know. they know. And so that's why I was so confident all week. I'm like, oh, they're going to beat them. They're at home. Green Bay's trending the wrong way. They're going to win. And then Vegas put that spread out, and I'm like, Ay. I'm like, obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, is they know what they're talking about? If they think they're a favorite on the road, the way they've been playing, then they know something about the Redskins that I don't. Uh, that they know something because that doesn't seem right. That seems off. It does. But when you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers, particularly the last three or four games, I think he's like 22 touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, he plays better at home. They play with more confidence every week. It's like, oh, they can't win on the road. Then they go and they win on the road. They beat Chicago. Oh, well, they have to beat Philadelphia, and they have to beat uh, the Giants. They have to beat Dallas. They did all of those things, and they did them easily. This is after the fact on the record. I like this. So we, now you're going to hear if we were dumb or not. Right. I like that. I like it. Uh, the uh, Hall of Fame um, finalists came out in football. I think this is uh, going to be a large class this year. Morton Anderson's up. It's probably the wrong year for a kicker to be up because there's too many other great players that are up. Steve Atwater was a tremendous safety for the Denver Broncos mainly. He played late with the Jets. Um, I don't think he's going to get in based on this class, but he deserves to be there. Don Coriel should have been in years ago. He's an innovator. I don't, I don't know how in the world he hasn't gotten in yet. Don Coriel it, it changed the passing game in the NFL. I don't, I don't know how he's not in. Don, Joe Gibbs coached under Don Coriel and used his system to make the Redskins into a juggernaut. Dan Fouts had, like, broken every record, you know, was like, the, I don't know how he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Terrell Davis is an interesting case study because he didn't play that long. He was awesome the years he played and probably was the reason John Elway finally got championships. But... I don't think he played long enough for me to sit there and say he's a Hall of Famer, although I think he was a great running back. If he is a Hall of Famer, he's not first time around. He did rush for 2,000 yards. seen a very small group with that, and he was a dominant back. But like you said, his shelf life, was it was like maybe about really six years, but his really dominant part of that was maybe even less than that. Tony Dungy, I think, should be in, and I think he is so well-revered. I think he's going to get in. Alan Fanica is a great guard, played for the Steelers and the Jets, Cardinals late in his career. I don't know. Offensive linemen are tough to guess. Brett Favre, I think, is a shoe-in to get in. Kevin Green, I think, should be in. He was one of the great linebackers, really, for the Rams and the Steelers for the bulk of his career. I assume Marvin Harrison's going to get in, which will be like the first Peyton Manning player, right, that gets in. It's the first real Peyton Manning player that gets in. 
Marvin Harrison was an amazing wide receiver. I know there's a lot of checkered stuff with him off the field. I know there have been a lot of stories written about um, some potential crimes he's been involved in. But if you're talking about his performance on the field, there's no doubt he should be in the Hall of Fame. Edron James is up, too. He was great running back from the, the Colts, played for the Cardinals late. I, oh, man. I mean, you know, I think he gets overshadowed by Peyton. He was extraordinarily important to their offense those years. So I don't know if he's going to get in or not. John Lynch, I think, should be in the safety from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Orlando Pace is going to get in. He was one of the great tackles of all time. Kurt Warner's an interesting case study. Kurt Warner, for a very short period of time, was the quarterback of arguably the most prolific offense ever. It was a very short period of time. Everyone knows his story. I think he belongs. He took two teams to the Super Bowl, one being Arizona, who'd never been there before. Took the Rams to the Super Bowl in a year where he started the season as the backup quarterback. Won one, lost two, and for a short period of time, there was nobody in the league that was even close to what those guys were doing. But it was a very short period of time. I think he belongs. Well, I think the fact that he went to Arizona after his time in St. Louis and still was performing at a very high level, um, to me, that tells you what a great player he was. I, I agree. that I think he is a Hall of Famer. I I think a lot of these guys, I mean, listen, it's the final 15. I think they're all very serious candidates. I don't know how many of them, other than Dungey and Coriel, who I feel are absolutes, except for the following name that we have not mentioned. Brett, Brett Favre's an absolute. Well, There's Favre, no way Brett Favre's not getting Brett Favre. in. Brett Favre, Coriel, Dungey, all three of those I think are absolute. They have to be in this year. And there's one more name. And, again, now you could say it, and I know you're a Redskins fan. Some people say, oh, well, you're just a homer or whatever. But – I'm here to tell you, Joe Jacoby, one of the biggest crimes in Canton is the fact that Joe Jacoby is not there yet, and he needs to make it this time around. Well, I'm biased because I know him, so I'm biased. I'm biased to start with. I know him. I worked with him. I really like him. He's a nice man, um, and I got to work with him for a long time, and he um, he's kind of like a weird cult figure because he had these really bizarre television commercials in D.C. for Theater Vision, and he kind of has a... a, a unique voice I guess would be the best way to put it it's hard to miss him um, he the fact that it took so long for any member of the Hogs to get into the Hall of Fame um, that's Russ Grimm is finally in it, the fact that it took so long for anyone from that group which was arguably the most famous offensive line ever like that they could not get someone in for that period of time uh, Joe Jacoby to me is a shoe in but I think any young voters for the Hall of Fame probably don't know who he is. And that's really part of his problem. But I'm glad he's up for it. Any of the old voters will know. But I, I hope he gets in. I hope he gets in, too. Um, by the way, we talked about what an intimidating physical presence Coach Thompson is. When you see Joe Jacoby, Joe Jacoby's bigger than Coach. Joe Jacoby's the biggest human being I've ever seen. When he holds a glass in his hand, it's like he's holding a shot glass. He's just... A, and a wonderfully nice guy. You ever seen him drink like a, a beer, how fast he can put the yeah. beer down? Yeah, uh, yeah, and it has no effect on him because he's like 6'7 and just huge. Yes, he's an enormous man. And the other one left is, is T.O., who yes. I, I don't want to hear anybody argue he shouldn't be in. Terrell Owens was one of the most dominant receivers for a multitude of teams for a very long time, and I know he was weird, and I know he was a pain in the butt, and I know, but he was in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. 
He was dominant for the Cowboys. He was incredible for the 49ers, even though he was overshadowed early being a teammate of Jerry Rice. I'm sorry, Terrell Owens is one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. There is no arguing that. And if he has to wait to get in, that is merely based on the voters just didn't like him. That's it. Yeah. I mean, they made Chris Carter wait a couple of years. I could see Terrell, Terrell Owens having to wait a couple of years. But he's a Hall of Famer. Whether it's this year, next year, or the year after, he's going to go to Canton. I can't wait to see his speech. Oh, yeah. That, that will be great. Bieber should hook him up. Yo, voters, it's time to put T.O. in. Yeah. If Bieber could somehow influence the Hall of Fame vote, that would be brilliant. I, I don't know. Out of this list, I'm looking at it. Here's what I see. Because they can do a maximum of eight every year. I'm going to say Favre, Coriel, Dungy, Harrison, and Jake. Joe Jacoby. I don't think Jake's going to get in. I, I don't think he's going to get in. I hope he gets in. I don't think he's going to get in. I'm going to go with. Oh, maybe Warner. I'm going with. Ooh, this is tough. I don't think Morton Anderson. He belongs there. He's not going to get in this time. I think it's going to be Don Coriel, Tony Dungy, Brett Favre, definitely. I think Kevin Green's going to get in. That's four. Marvin Harrison's going to get in five. John Lynch is going to get in six. Orlando Pace is going to get in seven. And it's going to be between Warner and T.O. And I think if they're going to pick eight people, which is all deserving names, I think they will pick Warner over T.O. and make them wait. I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe that's because of the off-field stuff. By the way, I could see them not voting for Harrison because of the -the off-the-field stuff as well. I could see him having to wait a little bit longer. All these guys belong. This is is an extraordinary list that is up for this year. And that's why I think, I think Jacoby's up in the wrong year for it. There's too many guys. Like, Brett Favre's an obvious Hall of Famer he's going to be in. Terrell Owens, if he's not, there's a huge debate over whether he should be in. I, I think he falls by the wayside there. By the way, did you see some of these others who have already been elected uh, to senior finalists? Kenny Stabler? That's great. Kenny Stabler should be in the Hall of Fame. One of the biggest figures uh, in, in the game for a long time. One of the most legendary quarterbacks of all time. Dick Stanfell, I don't know him off the top of my head. Maybe it says here later in it. Good for him. Yeah, good for yeah, good for him. And Eddie DeBartolo, do you see that? Eddie DeBartolo, who oversaw the building of one of the great dynasties of all time with the San Francisco 49ers, and then was like forced out of the league. And so that to me is interesting that he's going. Yeah. It is interesting that he that they've allowed him to go in because there was a, there was a Pete Rose aspect to him that was kind of like I don't know like we appreciate all the things you did but I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it was nice uh, doing this with you. This is fun. Yeah. And um, you know, I I I'm starting to warm up to sitting next to you next year. So do you want me to move the other side? Or do you want me to stay over here? I want you to go to the other side and just like <laughs> warming up a little bit to it. I'm disappointed that nobody wanted to talk to us. There's, there's not a lot of people in here, but you know nobody really wanted to talk to us. I just looked over the table. They all just stared at us. So they're like, what are these two guys doing over there with a the microphone? They don't like us at all. I don't think they like us at all. Nobody likes us here. No, nobody does. It's not home for me anymore. <laughs> it really isn't. But Bieber, we love you. You should love us. Tweet this out, pal. We love you. I love you. You're the greatest ever. Please tweet out. Talking Heads, listen to it. Greatest podcast of all time. See you later. I'll talk to you from my basement next week. Bye.